You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Road Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Tonight, it's Wednesday, so you guys know we have another one of our Wednesday question and answer episodes. We have our quote of the day, and we'll also do another Wild Love Wednesday shout out. Just so you guys know, we didn't receive any put me on this week in our inbox, so that section or that segment of the show won't be included. Let's get right into it. Today's quote of the day is by an anonymous author, and it reads, there are no problems, only challenges. There are no problems, only challenges. I read this quote uh, probably about three years ago now when I was going through a transition, actually four years ago now when I was staying with my brother and going through a transition and kind of trying to find out who I was and what I wanted to do. And I came across this quote, I believe it was on Pinterest at a point in time. I came across this quote and I started to kind of meditate and think about it. And what this quote means to me, guys, is that we have to stop looking at the challenges that we face as problems, right? There are no problems. There are only challenges. Furthermore, I like to take it a step further with mine and lessons, right? So a lot of people talk about, oh, if I try to do this, I'll fail. Or if I try to do that, I'll fail. I'll fail. Failure is a product of our mind state, right? So if you continue to try and you keep putting your best foot forward, I don't believe personally that you can fail at anything, right? As long as you continue to try. So again, There are no problems, only challenges and lessons to be learned. Question number one that we received in our inbox this week. After two nights of performance anxiety in front of my girlfriend, our relationship seemed like it has lost its touch. I feel like I only have so many chances left to bring us back on track. So what should I do or what should be my next move? First of all, I would invite you to take a deep breath anytime that anxiety comes into play, especially when we talk about performance issues, it can just compound upon itself. My advice to you in this situation is I would just have a conversation with your partner. It is your partner, right? So you want to make sure that you're able to be frank and share everything and be open about sharing everything with him or her. So I would explain to them that you're having these performance anxieties and that you feel like once you guys get into the moment, there's so much pressure build up and there's so much um, need to perform from your perspective that it can be difficult and it can get overwhelming. This is certainly not an easy conversation to have, especially from the perspective of a man, because we have a ton of pride, but it happens way often than not. Right. So performance issues, performance anxiety, it happens way often than not which is why you see like uh, erectile dysfunction pills or Viagra pills on the market and they're so popular. I say that to say it can be a tough conversation, but it's certainly a worthy conversation to have. The other thing that I would invite you to do is don't wait 
until it's time to perform to get your partner aroused and even get yourself aroused, right? As you're lounging around in the house, if you guys cuddle or snuggle with one another, feel on him or her and caress them, maybe rub their head, give them kisses, tell them how much you love them. What happens is that our subconscious is ignited once we hear words like this, especially going back to the love languages. If someone's love language is words of affirmation, And quality time, for example, spending that quality time with them and saying things like, I love you. You smell so good. I can't wait to hold you once we are doing our thing and performing. All of these things kind of it sparks the subconscious of your partner. It also opens you up a little bit to not feel as anxious to perform when the time comes. Right. Because you've kind of laid the foundation and you've been you've been going at your partner all day. So when now when it's time to perform, you're not experiencing that anxiety you're not experiencing that pressure to perform you are just able to be relaxed embrace your partner and perform again very very difficult conversation to have with your partner but i have to say that it happens way more often than not and you would be doing yourself as well as your partner a big big favor by having that conversation before i even throw question number two out there i have to preface this by saying I was tempted to not answer it because I feel like this question is very specific to an individual. But with that being said, I promise to answer all questions that I received in my inbox. So I'll answer it to the best of my ability, that is. So the question is, are well-endowed men more likely to hook up and have casual sex than average or less endowed men? My answer to this question is very similar to what I just said. I think that's specific to the individual. I've had conversations with men that uh, consider themselves well endowed and they are monogamous and they can just be in one relationship. And I've also had conversations with men that consider themselves average or less endowed and they've hooked up with multiple partners or has that need to want to hook up with multiple partners. So I say that to say that that's very specific to the individual and the person that you're either dating or working on dating in the moment. I also would say that a lot of it ties into maturity, right? When we're, when I, again, you guys know I'm I'm notorious for throwing myself on the shopping block. So I'll do that again, uh, not bring anybody up, but when I was growing up, when I was younger, I was always told the the value in relationships came with the quantity of woman, not the quality, right? So whether that was me being well endowed or not, I always had an image or an idea in my mind that, okay, it was all about getting a ton of women and having sex with multiple women and kind of putting yourself out there in a uh, promiscuous fashion, I would say. So that was my thought process growing up because it was something that I was always told. It's all about the quantity. It wasn't until I got mature that I realized that it really is all relationships, as I say, each and every episode are about quality, right? Getting quality people in your life, investing your energy into quality people. So I think much A lot of that conversation has to do with maturity and where an individual is. I'll also say that when we think about men having multiple partners, there's a few things that that tie into that. One, a lot of men uh, fear commitment. It's just being honest and frank, at least the men that I've had conversations with. And the other piece of it is that when men feel like they they need to be monogamous, right, it's it's so different from what we've been taught 
all of our lives where it's especially if you've been told things like, oh, you're handsome. You're going to be a lady, ladies man when you're older. Don't tie yourself down. Or I can vividly remember when I was about 10 years old having a conversation with my aunt and she told me, I kid you guys not, well, a man's going to be or a man's going to do what he's going to do. Right. Or a man's going to be a man, meaning like don't tie yourself down to one partner, have multiple partners. And I just think that that's just a wrong narrative to feed men, because then that that means that we won't hold ourselves accountable later on in life. So that was a roundabout answer. I'm, I know. But I think it's very specific to the individual and it's important for you to have a conversation with someone you may be dating and talk to them about what their level of promiscuity is and how they feel about being monogamous. Question number three is, is 40 men too many for a 30 year old woman to have slept with? I think as you to engage in relationships, especially nowadays, it's tough to um, put up pinpoint or put a number on the specific amount of men or women that someone should have slept with during their life. What I would invite you to do is, first of all, not have an open discussion unless you feel completely comfortable with a man um, about how many men, other men you have slept with, because some men do get intimidated by that, but they'll hear a number about like, oh, I slept with 40 men and they'll get intimidated and kind of shy away from that. Some men won't. Right. And for the men that won't, they'll typically look to take advantage of you in that situation. Right. Having throwing the number 40 out there um, as as the, the number of sexual partners you have for most men. Well, I won't say most men for some men. It puts the idea in their head that you're you're just interested in sex or you're just interested in engaging um, with them in a sexual manner. And they'll try to take advantage of that. And they may pretend for some period of time that they're really, really in love with you and they enjoy your company. But ultimately, they're just around for the sex. So don't don't have that be a topic of discussion up front and out in the open. If you you feel like you can have extremely intimate conversations with a man, then I would bring that up. But to just throw out there, hey, um, I slept with 40 men. It can be intimidating to some men on a personal level, though. I don't think that's too many men to have slept with. Right. We're, we're living in a day and age where commitment is difficult. Right. So for people two people to commit to one another for life or for long periods of time to have that lasting relationship, it's extremely difficult. So personally, I don't think that's too many men to have men to have slept with. But you want to want to guide that conversation if it ever gets brought up, because I know I can name at least 20 men off the top of my head that would be intimidated by that number. Question number four. I spend the weekends at my boyfriend's house. When we get into argue, an argument and he is frustrated, he tells me I should go home. This always hurts and I don't actually leave. But today it happened again. So I left. Now he is mad at me and he's mad that I left. Excuse me. Advice. First of all, I think when you are constantly getting into arguments with your significant other, it's dangerous, right? Because arguments um, don't tend to lead anywhere positive. Arguments either leave someone on uh, like in a self-loathing or like a bad state where they don't feel like they can measure up to being your partner or it brings out the anger and 
it seems like frustration um, that's coming from, for example, that's coming from your boyfriend. So I don't I think arguments are dangerous to have in a relationship, period. If you guys are arguing, um, I would invite you, especially once the arguments get heated, to just take a break and then revisit the conversation at a later time. Don't let the conversation pass off. But revisit the conversation at a later time. So that way um, you, you guys get some clarity on what what happened, where things went wrong. Speaking specifically to this situation that you just got into, I feel like he's so used to you staying when he says go. And when he's frustrated and upset with you, he's so used to you sticking around that you leaving it, it throws a loop into everything. It's kind of like um they used to call it call it throwing the curveball. We go along expecting things to go a particular way, and then you actually do what we tell you to do. This is speaking from the perspective of a man, obviously. You do what we tell you to do, and then that's a curveball. Because we're so used to you sticking around when we're frustrated and upset and mad at you that when you actually leave, it throws a curveball into our thought process, into our belief system, and this causes us even more frustration and anger. But that's a personal issue. It's another thing that I want to communicate to you is that that's a personal issue with him. And he needs to learn how to express himself in a healthy, emotional manner, because if he doesn't really want you to leave the house when you guys get into those arguments, he needs to say that. So instead of saying leave or get out, express himself and say something along the lines of right now I'm in a really uh, tough spot or right now I'm in a heightened emotional state. So, sweetheart, if you can just give me five, 10 minutes or if you can give me 20 minutes, whatever the case may be, that would be greatly appreciated to jump from an argument to get out or leave. That's extreme. And for me, that's a red flag that shows there's some emotional dysregulation going on within him. Last question of the day. Question number five. What should I do? My partner of four years has lied to me three times about drinking and having a DWI or DUI, excuse me, moved into my home, pays a bare minimum, complains, rarely cooks or cleans, never shows affection and resents spending a dime on me. Whoa, that is loaded. Uh, this is tough for me to say, but you know, I promised myself when I started this podcast, I would be as frank as possible. So to the person that submitted this question to our inbox, my invitation with to you, excuse me, is to get the hell out of Dodge, right? To leave that person exactly where they are. That's a clear sign of someone who lacks in maturity and lacks a, uh, the qualities in, uh, a lasting relationship or lacks the qualities to have a lasting relationship. If you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you're more than welcome or I would invite you to have a conversation with them that to express your frustration. I doubt that it will get you anywhere. If someone despises spending money on their significant other or their partner, especially after four years, my goodness, that's that's insane to me personally. But again, that's my personal opinion. I digress. I would have a conversation with them, letting them know what your frustrations are. And where they come from, if they are not willing, see, here is that that plug for a previous episode. If they're not willing to work on those flaws and those things that that don't meet your needs, then that may not be the partner for you. And although it's been four years, this might be an ideal time to go your separate ways and even decide to just be friends. But I can promise you one thing. If you allow this person to stay in your house and continue to live the way that they're living now, 
you will eventually start to hate this person. That's it for all our questions today. As you guys know, you're more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for next Wednesday. Again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you're more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast, and leave us a message. We'll definitely be sure to get back to you within 24 hours. And I also want to say thank you guys so very much for allowing me or being comfortable enough to come to me with questions that you guys have, either about relationships, life, or mental health. I cannot tell you guys how much I appreciate it and how much I enjoy coming to each and every Wednesday episode, ready to answer your questions and hopefully help you out. Today's Wild Love Wednesday shout out goes to my oldest sister, Latea Dixon. If you guys do not follow any of my social media handles, I've been big up, big upping my sister for the past, I'd say a week or so. Um, but she has had up now to date three graduates out of her house. Um, and that's that's tops in our family, I believe, at this time um, with the most kids that graduated from one household, which is amazing because my sister spent a lot of time raising myself as well as my other sibling. My parents struggled very, very heavily with substance abuse early on in our lives. And there would be times in which my sister had to take care of my oldest sister had to take care of my sister and I. And a lot of people hear her call me her baby. And they're like, why does your sister call you her baby? The reason that is, is because she really, really did spend a lot of time raising me so much so that I, I honestly, I think about it every day. And I just want to make her proud all the time because uh, of the sacrifices that she's made for me, as well as my other siblings over the course of our lives, not to mention her own children, like I said, that she's starting to get graduated from high school, which is amazing. So Wild Love Wednesday for today goes to my oldest sister, Latea Dixon. I appreciate you, sis. I love you. And I haven't forgotten anything that you taught me from an early age. That's all we have for tonight's episode. Just to reiterate, you guys are always more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20.com or TQLP, excuse me, 20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday episodes. We greatly appreciate it. If you guys can continue to subscribe and review our podcast, that's also greatly appreciated. But more than anything, I want you guys to remember that the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.